everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings citizens. That was very enthusiastic. <laughs> Hello everybody. Was it? Was that more enthusiastic? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should like do a fake version of the first 15 minutes like every time and then it's always in take two after 15 minutes of warm-up that I sound just perfect, just right yeah, to that's start the show. Yeah, it was. It's just all the practice. Yeah, we had the a practice round that we did. We had a slight technical hiccup, and we realized about fifteen minutes into the recording that Tara's audio levels were far too low and unusable, and therefore this is take two. So if the start of this feels like, I don't know, less bantery than usual, it's because we already had all the jokes we made about everything before. <laughs> we did it already. Yep. But yes, so I now I- know who the Amel brothers are. Yes, I explained who Stephen and Robbie Amell were, who are in this movie we're about to talk about. But this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about sci-fi movies every week. And this episode, we're going to talk about Code 8, which is a newish movie that just came out in December. Uh, So we're going to talk about that. We'll start spoiler-free, of course. Before we get to the movie review, though, I will inform you that at the end of this uh, episode, we do have a bonus Mystery Science Theater 3000 section, uh, where we're going to talk about the episode focused on the final sacrifice. Uh, Oh, sorry. Final Sacrifice, eh? Uh, so, <laughs> yes, it is uh, from the land of my people, the motherland. <laughs> Canada land. Uh, so you can get at the end, and I'm specifically pointing that out because I, I neglected to mention it at the start of the World of Worlds, uh, the original World of the Worlds 1953 episode. I forgot to mention there was going to be a bonus section at the end of that one. So it's a surprise at the end of that if you found it. If you didn't, then go back and <laughs> listen to the end of it after the outro stuff because there's a whole extra 15, 20 minutes talking about Revenge of the Creature. But here we are. So that's at the end of the show. We're going to talk about uh, Final Sacrifice. But we're going to talk about Code 8. Code 8 is the movie in, in question. So let's just see how succinctly I can do this uh, description of the movie uh, on round two. So Cody is a science fiction film set in an alternate version of our world where people have superpowers. They started appearing sometime early in the 20th century and they were initially used as part of industry. They were they were, you know, used in factories. They were used to do, you know, you know, instead of having say a tractor lift something up or whatever, they'd have a person with super strength do it uh this is all kind of explained in the opening credit scene sequence there's like a you know a, a montage of like news reports and stuff but things change for the worse once they get replaced with robots uh for all these jobs they are kind of disenfranchised and of course the movie's heavily allegorical it's doing the x-men thing it's using the superpowered people as uh as a you know as a as a metaphor for actual uh, minorities and that's that's what the movie does so uh, the main plot of the movie is our main character Connor, played by Robbie Amell, who's got a sick mother who's who can't control her frost powers anymore. He's got electric powers, and he ends up falling in with some bad people to make some money. Uh, you know, it's it's the falling in with a life of crime to help mm-hmm. the the loved ones. So you've got the heart of gold, but you're doing something bad to to achieve your your noble goal. Uh, you've seen it a million times before in that sense maybe not with superpowers but you've seen it before uh, I, I mentioned Breaking Bad in the first first description uh, this is Breaking Bad with, with superpowers, not really but just a sprinkle of X-Men just a sprinkle of X-Men, yes uh, and a whole lot of other movies, <laughs> there's a lot of other movies in this a whole lot of other movies in this uh, a lot of Neil Blomkamp there's like police robots that made me think of Neil Blomkamp quite a bit um, mm-hmm. like Elysium Mm-hmm. Not a movie I'm looking forward to watching again, but we'll have to. 
Oh, we will. And then we get a little bit of Jackie in the design, a little bit of Mother from the Netflix movie. Yeah. I'm yeah. yeah, we get to watch Chappie as well at some point. That's going to be fun. Oh, boy. Chappie! Uh. <laughs> Chappie! <laughs> Joe, you know I love. I love that we said all the same points we did the first time, but we did it in about a third of the time. <laughs> it was just like boom, 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 boom. Interrupting you with stupid jokes. So <laughs> <laughs> like, just get through this, so we can get to the part where we left off. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Okay, so that's the gist of the plot. That's the gist of the story. Uh, I will ask Tara the question, although I will reiterate something I said on take one, which is that before Tara watched this movie, she sent me a message saying time to watch this garbage that was the message that was sent just to put you in the frame of mind uh of the i don't know preconceived notion that tara may have had before she started the film look you said like a week ago our next movie is going to be code eight and i said what the hell is that and i looked at the poster and went oh it looks like trash <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that maze runner garbage genre that i just don't care about and you know i do kind of have superhero fatigue but it's not so much for like the big marvel films because i find i still enjoy those every time i go it's it's more for like these types of films mm-hmm. <laughs> you know the uh the chosen one style has abilities and i, I don't really i don't know i don't really like any of them <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be fair, this is not a chosen one movie. There's no one chosen for anything. There's no okay, destinies no, or anything like that. there is somebody who has an ability that's like clearly better than other people. Like, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't call that chosen. I'd call that like any, like any, like any martial arts movie where there's that one guy who's just that good. You know, he's better than everyone else. Well, this is not like a, a practice skill, though. This is something that they just, like they have a gift and it makes them special okay. over other people. All right, okay. Like, even other people who have similar abilities. All right, then. Well, I'll ask the question, Tara, how did you feel about Code 8? And I'll, okay. I'll just pretend I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, try to act surprised. It's fine. <gasps> <laughs> it's fine? It's, fine. It's, a, it's definitely watchable. It, it's, uh, it's, it's not really my style of film, um this whole like grounded superhero young adult trying to be cool but i i don't know like it's okay i i did like a lot of the the really tense action scenes and i thought they were really well directed actually but the slower parts and the more like family stuff like uh they didn't really work for me but you know there's some good and there's some not so good but overall i would say the movie is watchable if it's your type of thing and if you like these actors because of some tv show you watch then you'll probably like it because of some tv show you watch yeah <laughs> yeah it's, no i, I can concur it's, it's okay it's, it's okay i i agree that some of the the, the more actiony scenes are better directed the rest of it uh, falls a bit flat and i think it's because it's a mixture of things. I, th- I think it's not that the actors are bad, because uh, I think Stephen Amell has a decent amount of charisma. Mm. Although I do think yeah, this... Yeah, he's, ca- he's, he's all right. I, I, I liked... Um, for the most part, I liked a lot of the actors. Mm. Um, some of them, not so much, but... Uh, but yeah, I think the actors were... The acting is fine. I just don't think it's very well written. No, that's what I was going to say. The script... 
doesn't do enough with the characters to make the characters that complex or interesting. Connor, the main character played by Robbie Amell, he's he's just kind of a series of tropes. He never really feels like he belongs in the movie. He feels like a pretty boy CW actor who's been slotted into a movie that really should... I mean, this is the sort of role that, I don't know, like... I mean, maybe not now because he's much older, but this is the sort of thing that a young Tom Hardy should be playing or something like that, not... Yeah, he, a lot of these people, like, they, they're painting this world as, like, gritty and underground and, I don't know, like, dirty, uh, this subculture of crime, and I just don't buy that these really beautiful young people are <laughs> grew up in that do, world do, do like, the, at all. The, the, it almost like it wants to feel like dread. It wants the... the the tone of there dread. There are some dystopia. scenes where I'm like, guys, trying to do dread. Like I said, there's a lot of <laughs> movies in this movie. Yeah, and it's an Indiegogo movie. That was one of the things we were joking about in the first take. Is that we we both kind of like when we got to the end, we're like, wait a minute, the movie's already over. There's like 15 minutes left. Why is there so there's many? So, yeah, there's so many credits. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I genuinely like went through. I never stay through the credits for a film, but I went through them because I thought there's got to be something else in this. But I was yeah. wrong. There's no end credit scene, so don't bother. Yeah, it's because <laughs> it was Indiegogo. There's basically just a wall of names of people who donated to the movie at the end, and that's why the credits are so long. Because the actual movie's over in about 90 minutes, but there's like another 15 or so of credits. So uh, that is why. But I mean, yeah, I, 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 I hate to say this because it feels like such an easy thing to say because it's got the MLs in it, but the cast do feel very like. CW and it's why the problems I actually have with the CW shows as well. I mean, as a DC Comics fan watching those CW shows, although I'm about to quit them all for the record. <laughs> well, not all of them. I'm, I'm going to keep watching Legends because Legends is fun, but the rest of them I'm quitting. Um, but like, you know, it, like it, it has that same. Those have that same problem where I'm watching, like, say, The Flash, and you know, season one was okay. You know, it was definitely better than what it's become now. But, like, it does have that problem of, like, everyone being this young, pretty person. And, you know, like, not that I think Barry Allen should be an ugly person, but I don't think him of as being, you know, when the show started, he was 22. I remember when they cast him and I went, he's younger than me. Barry Allen shouldn't be younger than me. I'm not that old yet. <laughs> like, you know, and this was, like, five, six years ago. Um, maybe now he can be younger than me. But even then, like, I still think of him as someone in his mid-30s, you know? Oh, the Flash. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really watch or read comics and watch those shows, so I'm I'm not really invested in it. But oh, I, I, I did watch the first season of Flash. I thought it was I thought it was pretty decent, but I just didn't keep going because I've heard that it goes downhill from there. Oh, you have no idea. And I just I have zero <laughs> desire to watch any like I don't know any of those shows. I I don't Supergirl or mm -hmm. um arrow any of those I, like i said i kind of have superhero fatigue for anything except for what comes out on the big screen like i still get excited yeah. for I, marvel i will go see the new wonder woman you know those big ones i'll go see but anything else i'm just kind of like i don't know it's not exciting anymore it's almost it's almost like watching a fantasy or like um what i assume that movie bright was i did watch it because it's not my style but you know where it's just people who are wizards living among us <laughs> i saw bright unfortunately it was uh yeah. it was not good uh yeah for anyone who's a fan of uh 
our reviews of the DCCW shows and they are ending soon uh, or they have already ended by the time this goes out uh, I will just give you one last little go around of every meta will die Chris Klein plays a villain in The Flash season 5 and it was the most hilariously badly acted thing I maybe have ever seen. I'm sure the fans love that. Ba- barring, <laughs> whatever that was. <laughs> yes, barring uh, Tommy Wiseau, maybe like that's the only person. But even then, I'd love to see Chris Klein and Tommy Wiseau in a movie together. It'd be perfect. Uh, so, baby, so, so, and obviously Stephen Amell is not that young. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's too young for this. Uh, just to make that clear, I'm saying that, like, I'm seeing a bunch of pretty people who feel like TV actors, who feel like you know he's even dressed. They don't feel like they've struggled their whole life to yeah. like. <laughs> They all yeah. look in shape. They feel like they they look like they drink muscle milk and <laughs> <laughs> go for their tans. And yeah, they don't they they don't look like they're from this world of I don't know sleaze and underground drugs. And I just don't buy it. I will say I will say that the movie I do feel the restraint of the movie's budget in that for a lot of the movie it just looks like the normal world and there's not necessarily a lot of like stuff with visual effects. But I will commend that the visual effects when they do show up are, are actually they pretty look good. Fine. Yeah. yeah, I think they look good. Um, I even like the the like little lightning effects stuff look pretty good. The robots, which I thought you know would be an easy tell, look good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're clearly just people with a mask on, but the movement looked good too. And, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the uh, when you say mask, I'm pretty sure it was like a mask of green screen though, and the, the actual. Yeah, head yeah. and CG, but like, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, yeah, they made them humanoid so they could do that, but right. I mean, I, they they did look. Good. I I agree. The special effects were, um, I'll say seamless. They, nothing stood out to me at all. No, no, I agree with and, that. And I like the action. Uh, it's just the uh, the character work is just not there for me. Um, I don't really buy the world, which is a shame. They are setting up because when it comes to movies of this budget, uh, this kind of size. That's the stuff that can make it excel. That's just, that's the stuff if they nail it, it, beca- it, it you know, it outlives its budget, it outlives its its, yeah. its audience reach, yeah. and it becomes something special. And you know, there's examples of that in the past that we could bring up, but um, because that's the I stuff also, that fails. There's something about like when somebody writes about what it's like to be gangster <laughs> that you just don't really buy it, you know, like. This is what I imagine a drug lord would act like, or <laughs> now, would say, or he I, would have his thugs, and that that kind of world, like he would hang out in a strip club, and it sounds like a fantasy that, like I don't hmm. know, a kid would have about what it would be like to be hard, <laughs> but it's not real. <laughs> I know, I know you like the actor from Far Cry Five. His character in this is one of the worst things about it. <laughs> it's just poorly written. I love. Yeah. Craig Break. And why why yeah, does it Far Cry Five? And why does he he has this really horrible like hair? It's probably a wig. Like it just it looks really bad. No, no, it's that's his hair. He had it in Far Cry Five also. Okay. But they've intentionally got it kind of like messy and kind of strolled down his face. And he just he looks like this greasy douche like all yeah. the time. Uh he's like the, the kingpin dude uh to his you know, in charge of the, the crew that uh Stephen Amell runs. Uh yeah. Garrett, his name is. Uh, so, yeah, I, uh, yes, yeah, so the acting's fine. Like, everyone is kind of serviceable. Uh, it's, it's kind of on that level where it's kind of dull and unexciting, 
uh, but none of them are bad. They, they all, you know, I mean, I think Stephen Amell, the one thing I'll give Stephen Amell is that he has presence. Even if I do feel like in points in this, this movie, he is just doing his Oliver Queen. And I say that because there's scenes from Arrow where he is like training people and stuff. And there's scenes in this when he's training Connor and he's yelling at him and saying, focus, do this. And all I'm hearing is Oliver Queen because he's just doing the same role again. Uh, yeah, I, I have no background with that show. So, I mean, it was fine. It was just a montage that felt a little... Uh, I don't know, like, we're going to do a montage. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Like, it's hard not to notice, you know? <laughs> I actually... Like, okay, here's the training montage. Let's just get through it. It's super tropey. Um... I am... Um, there's, there's a bit at the end of the movie that I think, like, the actual idea of the, the, the character decision that gets made at the end of the movie could have landed really well in a better written script. Like, there's a... Yeah. There's a, there's a big decision that the main character has to make at the end, which I think, and they play it up as if it's this big moment and this moment we're going to care about. And I don't think we do because the movie's just kind of okay. But I can I can see that that moment because that's the one kind of thing that kind of separates it, essentially, uh, is that decision at the end. Everything up until that point is just, you know, beat for beat every version of the story that's ever been told, usually without superpowers, but, you know, this yeah. type of story. Uh, and that's the one thing at the end that ch- changes that a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, it, it, yeah, it's it's kind of it's just it's, it's okay. It's just an okay movie, and obviously it's it's, it's watchable. It's allegory, of course, is uh, anything but subtle. I, I think that was in take <laughs> one uh, where Tara got really sarcastic uh, about that. Um, so Sorry, can't use that footage. Can't no. Um, maybe maybe I can just cut out that one little bit and boost your audio and just edit it in. <laughs> just cut to you your sarcasm uh good fun otherwise you'll be delighted to hear that we're actually caught up to everything we said the last time we're, we're basically mm-hmm. back 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 where we were now it's all surprise now it's all new even for us um although you were complaining about uh the basically the bad, oh, I don't, the bad guy's I slave i love the main female as an actress whoa 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 didn't love Tara called her a mouth breather. That's what happened. She's a mouth breather. <laughs> Take one. <laughs> for the audio I list- noticed the mouth breathing. <laughs> for the audio listeners, Tara was doing a little impression there of what mouth breathing <laughs> looks like. <laughs> I don't know. I just would be like, come on, close your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a bit of a mouth breather. And she's a... Uh... Well, it's more of just her, like... She's supposed to be, you know, under the influence of something, but she just kind of comes off as just not very good. Like uh, her, her, her dialogue delivery is a little monotone, and mm. it, it just needs a little bit more of. I believe I am under the influence of something. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, um, I do. I think it's a little weird, or it feels a little underdeveloped, because they've got their their own made-up drug in this world called Psych. Uh, <laughs> and I thought it was a little bit weird. You right, Foxy? I thought it was a little bit weird uh, that it never really did, did that much with it, beyond it just being like a, a MacGuffin at one point. Beyond it just being yeah, something they want to like steal. a form of currency. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I, I assumed that something was going to come from it, that like, oh, maybe... Like it does something to people with powers, or it does something for non-powered people, or it, you know, it would become a device in some well, way. Well, it does. They they explain that. 
No, but I mean like something that would help them later on. Like, oh, if you take this drug, oh, yeah. it'll you know you your powers will be you know enhanced or you'll no. I don't know. Nope. It did look an awful lot like the Bliss, though, which was the drug that was used in Far Cry Five <laughs> by the same actor. Oh, <laughs> Joe, jo, I hated actually. I hated that um, when we first get introduced to Garrett and he's like looking for a, an electric, right? Because obviously different people have different powers, uh, and uh-huh. all of the powered people like, gather up for day work and they hope to get picked up by people. And it's usually construction workers who just hire them for the day to come in and do construction work. And we see yep. examples of that earlier on. Uh, and then Garrett comes in and he's like, he had an electric and he's like, at least a class two. And then later on, he's like, when he's explained it to the other bad guys, like, I mean, I said a class two, he's at least a class five. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. What are all these class numbers? How, how are these measured? Like, they're, they're just throwing these, like, they're throwing these numbers out here to try and, like, make it sound like all this is, like, really well categorized. And I'm just like, I don't know. This feels like you just think, pull out your I ass. I think underdeveloped, the, the word, <laughs> was a good choice of words. I think yes. a lot of this is underdeveloped. Yes. Yes. Uh, and in fact, one thing I didn't mention, because I think this was in the, uh, if this was already mentioned in this and it wasn't in take one, and I'm just misremembering this, then I apologize <laughs> for repeating it. But, uh, this has actually already been developed as a TV show, uh, and uh, much like Fast Color, which we did, you know, like a few months ago, uh, this is already getting developed. But although in this case, it's actually going to keep the actors, at least some of them. So presumably, uh, this will actually be essentially the pilot for yeah, for this TV show. It kind of does, because uh, mainly because especially the way parts of it ends, it kind of felt like oh maybe more of the interesting stuff could really come after this. Um, <laughs> which is always a good sign. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, we have uh, a cop character who's kind of like, you know, tracing the various crimes that are going on. And uh, that's basically your main characters for the most part. There's no one else, really. There's a couple of people who are always there. With I mean, the mom, I guess, is kind of a main character. She's there a lot. She goes away for the while. Yeah, she's more of a MacGuffin than she is a character, to be honest. Yeah. She's there to be the thing that he needs to save, but that's about... Like, that's... There's a couple of ragtag crew members. Yes, with their own but... powers. Yes, one's got melty powers and one's got super strength. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, Stephen Amell's character, we didn't mention his power. He's uh, He's got... Uh... At first I called it... I thought it was telekine- you know, telekinesis, but... Then later on, it felt more like he actually had like a sort of wind effect at one point. It was like a force field. It seems like he just has the force. <laughs> right? He can like call objects to him. He can push people, move things. And now it sounds even more lame when you describe it that way. So yeah. <laughs> Except there's no lightsaber. Lame. Nah, is that, I'll give the movie a point for that. No lightsabers. One point. Plus one. Well, it's gotten at least a one out of ten from Peter. Then, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, so that's basically the, the you know the, the, the movie. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else to talk about spoiler free. Uh, so I feel like at this point we will give you the spoiler warning and go to spoilers. But before we start the spoiler section, I will tell you about our Patreon producers. So thank you to David Short, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess. And that means that they are Patreon producers, and that means that they are patrons at $20 or above. But you don't have to give us $20. Tara, why don't you tell everyone about Patreon? 
yeah, if you want to support us because you like what we do, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash mildfuzztv and donating as little as a dollar per month will get you bonus episodes of The Ace. You can check out our reviews of the, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? We, um, we're working on a saga. It's been a while since we've done it, so I don't remember the name, but Peter will tell me in a minute. Transers. Um, Transers. <laughs> We're working through the Transfer Saga, so clearly that needs to be the next one we do. Um, we're doing, we did uh, Judge Dread from '95. We did Time Cop. If any of those sound good, check out the Patreon page. It's only a dollar to get them. Check yeah. it out. And somehow Wing Commander was a regular episode, not a Patreon bonus episode. I don't know how that <laughs> happened, but somehow it did. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a whole back catalog. There's like, there's like seven bonus episodes, eight bonus episodes now. <laughs> Whatever it is. I'm not sure how many there is, but this is it. So one dollar per month will do that. Five dollars will get you access to the vote once every month. Every month is a, a vote for four make sure movies. we never do another Wing Commander. <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a movie. Yeah, it was. And they like to make his heart for some reason. Whenever we give them a, a, like a bad option in the four, they always pick the bad one. The bastards. Anyway, thanks, I patrons. <laughs> Thank you, patrons. Love you loads. Uh, so, full spoilers then for Code 8. Uh, so, like I say, the movie does a decent job explaining the world during the opening credits. Uh, it's, it's a reasonable uh, mm-hmm. summary of the world. Uh, and we're introduced to Connor, who has a job interview, and he's scared to tick the are you a powered individual box because he'll be discriminated against. And we see that he goes to uh, the construction work, and uh, we see all him and all of his buddies using their, their powers. You know, they're, they're, they're throwing cinder blocks at each other, they're, they're soldering things with their bare hands, and so on and so on. <laughs> And then the cops show up, and we get the uh, the lineup, and like, hey, there's reports that some of you are using your powers. So, uh, you know, line up, look up at the drone, and the drone looks sort of like identifies who they all are, and yada yada yada. Uh, and one guy tries to run because there's a warrant on him. So the, we see this is where we get introduced to the the, the robots that fall from the drones. Because we say drones, you think it's quite small. It's big enough that there's like a human sized pair of robots that drop yeah, from it. Yeah, it looks like a drone, like what you would have yeah. a camera attached to, but they're massive. Yeah. Um, in fact, even later on, there's an even bigger one because there's like a big one that spawns more of these drones mm-hmm. later on. Uh, so we see them g- get shot and, you know, Connor almost kind of gets into a fight with the cops. He's like, hey, is this really necessary? This is too much. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, all of this at the start is just to show just how rough life is for Connor and his mum. You know, they're trying to play bills. He can't get work. When he does get work, he's being harassed and told not to use his powers all this stuff um and his mum's boss is a dick to her as well yelling at her for because she accidentally freezes things sometimes <laughs> uh mm-hmm. and Cara doesn't like that very much and she's got like frostbit hands now she seems to be struggling with her power she can't quite hide them as well yeah we see her kind of like running like hot water on her hands mm-hmm. uh to try and like thaw them <laughs> essentially which yeah. is She's got Elsa powers. <laughs> uh, which is funny because at the end of the movie she basically says, let it go. Yeah, so obviously when Garrett rolls up in his truck and says, hey, big payday, I need that electric level two or higher. And, <laughs> and you know, a little hesitant, 
but Connor gets up and says, okay. So they, they take him to like a place that they're stealing uh, chemicals to help make the drug, basically. Um, and they need him there to short out an electric fence and get them inside. And then after that, it, it just kind of helps with lugging things around. Uh, but it does the thing where the guard shows up and kind of tries to like you know hold them up and uh, we see the telekinetic powers and so on to like save them. But uh, we see Connor basically saying we don't have to you know kill him or whatever. And uh, you know they put they just, and they had no intention to like no we'll just lock you in this box until people come and get you out like whatever. But uh, what's I guess the point here is to show that these this crew while they are more villainous aren't necessarily completely evil either. They're not just offing people left and right for right no they reason. don't want to kill anybody they're just trying to get a leg up in the world yes uh but of course he wants to use connor again because he was helpful and useful and he's got he, he senses more he's power got in that him certain something yeah spark about him he's got those medical organs out. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like hey there's a big job coming and you know we can trust you and uh, Connor goes with him again, and after some breakfast, he takes some. There's like a little bit of comedy here where like the uh, the guy with super strength uh, can't speak, so he has the sign language. Uh, and there's, there's some, I think, attempts at comedy where he says like "f off" or something like that, and Garrett's like, "Oh, he said good luck," and like, I don't know, it just it felt <laughs> kind of flat for me. I was like, okay, I get it. You try to make me like these people. Yeah. Not yeah, quite enough. I'm- the 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 scene in like the the diners or the the wherever they are like an IHOP because they're always eating breakfast. Uh, it's it's okay. It's a, it's kind of a weird atmosphere to have a, a character like just shoveling in food while they're trying to like talk about a plan and get excited for it. It, it seems like a, an interesting character um, quirk to do, but I don't know why it just doesn't really land with me. <laughs> Yeah, um, it seems a little try hard. It's just a it's just a weird atmosphere. Would you describe the movie in general as try hard? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's because it's around here we get the training montage where he tries to train Connor how to use his abilities. So he floats light bulbs around them, and he has to like, try and like light them all up and stuff. Uh, yes. and then this is mixed in with him like going with him to like small jobs to like you know basically rough people up for the money they owe and things like that uh-huh. which is you know okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's okay the uh it's a little like karate kid i guess um but i just don't care i, I don't know i'm not i'm best. not into it at this point around yeah i remember hey you got it right yeah, I don't remember. Uh, but well, the thing for me is that it just it felt a little bit silly at one point where he was like trying to like over you know over you know he was trying to overload all the yeah, light bulbs. Yeah, he was doing like eight light bulbs at once, yeah. and he was like really concentrating, kind of bent over, and it looked like he was trying to squeeze out a turd. Let's be honest, what it looked like. Yeah, he was all clenched up. His face is red. Yep. Guy needs more fiber. <laughs> so. Like, from there, it's like, okay, we've got this job, and I actually thought at this point the movie was going to be a heist movie, and it was all going to be about building up to the bank job, but the bank job happens, like, ten minutes later. It's just not, like, you know, there's more to yeah. it, there's much more to it after that. Uh, but, and they end up, like, with almost no money from the bank, because the, the boss man, 
who sent them on this job because they're in desperate for money because there's a, a cartel or something that are going to kill them if they don't mm-hmm. pay up. But they boss all... man's got a boss too. Yeah, so. there's a hierarchy. Yes, uh, but because the collection of the bank uh, where they come and empty out the vault happens on four o'clock on a Friday and they try and rob it on a Saturday or whatever it is, uh, <laughs> they uh, they they get. I mean, they get a lot of money. I mean, they get you know tens of did thousands. You, did you see the movie The Town? I did, yes. That that scene where he's like calming her down and talking to her like kindly so that she can open up the vault. That was like straight out of the town, right? I don't remember it that well. I, I remember the only yeah. thing I remember about the town is that he, the love interest didn't know what he was like and he was conflicted between his life of crime and the, the love interest. Sure, yeah. That's what I remember. Actually pretty good movie, I thought, but but that scene in particular, I remember that scene from the town. And I, when I was watching this, I'm like, wait, they're just doing that scene. The same thing. So hold on, hold on, Except- hold on. I mean, just, let's just rack these up here so far, right? we got X-Men. We have the various <laughs> works of Neil Blomkamp. <laughs> the town. What was the one you just said? The town? The town, okay. No, but after that, you said something else. Did you not? Chappie. I said Chappie. Oh, I said Chappie, okay. All right, so yeah, the works of Neil Blomkamp... Uh, X Men, the town, a little bit of dread. Um, a little bit of dread. Yeah, I am mother, maybe for the design. Although that might not be intentional. I, I think that's just. I, I think that's recent enough that I don't think they would have been inspired by that. Sure. Because they were probably. Uh, this was probably already shot by the time we saw I Am Mother. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's some more. I'm sure there's more. There'll be more. There's I'm, just, a lot of in here. I'm, I'm racking up what we've what we've got so far, and that's that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are. We're at like four. I, mean, I say four movies. I mean, the Blom Camp kind of covers three different movies, and they all feel they're in here a little bit. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so it's right around this time where after the bank robbery happens and they don't get enough, they're all kind of shitting themselves about what to do, and the cops who mm. are investigating the various crimes, both robberies, are starting to sort of close in, and they sort of. They very very quickly get to him because he's like the only electric in the area who's high level enough. Plus, he has a motive for doing this. Uh, so, because like a video game. I know. <laughs> he's a level seven. Oh, he's <laughs> a level seven electric paladin. <laughs> <laughs> so they bring him in and question him, and honestly, like this, this this is kind of a key scene for me to show why the movie doesn't necessarily go beyond just being okay. Is that the scene where they interrogate him just isn't that exciting or interesting or dramatic? Yeah, they do a good cop, bad cop thing. Except they're actually good cops and bad cops. They're not like playing. <laughs> yeah, because the, the 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 bad cop is just a complete you know prejudiced dickhead, and then the good cop is actually a reasonable person who we find out yeah. later's got a daughter who has superpowers, and that's why he maybe has a you know which it's by the a way soft spot for him. yeah yeah because at one point he the, the the partner says to him like oh you're letting her cloud your judgment and i thought he meant like oh, he's got a new girlfriend or or some something like that who's got powers right when it's mm-hmm. your little like daughter like that is a dick thing yeah. to say you're letting the fact that your child is one of these people cloud of course he is it's his daughter <laughs> yeah yeah that would have been kind of an interesting storyline if they do a um, spin-off show or whatever. I hope they it, do more with that kind of 
stuff because I always I mean I don't like X-Men 3 it's a bad movie but I really love the opening with uh, Archangel when he's a kid and trying to like saw off his own wings and stuff and he's crying because mm. his dad's like a politician against the mutants or whatever that scene always really got to me it was really really uh, well done I like those kind of stories give me more of that okay you know okay. the real stakes the real you know parent and child I mean, we ha- we sort of have that here. And I actually I don't hate the relationship between the mom and the and our our lead guy, uh, Connor's character here, but um, yeah, this part I thought was that storyline I thought was intriguing in this movie, but not the interrogation scene. <laughs> yeah, no, the interrogation just wasn't that exciting. Uh, yeah. especially because we just came from a scene that I I don't know if we mentioned it, but I actually did really like the bank heist scene. I thought that was. And the the car chase scenes that we've had a couple of them. I thought they were both really good. Oh yeah, um, there's one after the first uh, robbery where they like they, they, they're, their van's red, but they've actually got it covered <laughs> in something. So they go they, when they get into a, like a tunnel or something like that, like they peel off the, all the red stuff, so it's like white now. And yeah, I'm like, I thought oh, that was okay. good. Yeah, okay, that's smart. That's smart. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I felt the tension. I was a little white knuckled. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, I like those scenes. So, basically, uh, Connor's mom gets worse, goes to hospital, she collapses, she gets, you know, she finds out that he's doing something criminal. And, Joe, you know, it's funny, because, like, it, there's a fine line here with making this kind of thing work, where you're doing, like, a sort of standard, like, old-fashioned plot, right? In this case, it's the, because, you know, because the whole thing here is that, oh, your father was killed because he was doing criminal stuff, and you, I don't want you to be like mm-hmm. him, which is why I've made sure you never like him, and now you're going to turn at him anyway, and, like... You've seen this done a, a, a ton of times, right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, one of the things that I, I always say when talking about, um, you know, super-powered characters or, or aliens or whatever, in fact, there's a great... Uh, I, I can't remember which comic book writer said this about Superman, but, like, if you have a story with Superman where, like, some alien relatives are visiting, it doesn't matter that they're alien relatives. It's still just a story about relatives visiting, and that's why it's relatable. Um, and... Uh, and forgive me for not remembering what writer said that, but it's a great quote, and I kind of, and, and it's kind of true about a lot of like stuff like this, where you've got superpowered mm. stuff or sci-fi stuff. Like the core plot is essentially going to be a plot that because there's there's no new plots left, right? The the the, the broad strokes are, are, have always been done before, right? There's no, never sure. escaping that really. Uh, something always always boils down to some core idea that you know we we because there's not really that many of them, and. So I don't want to critique it and say, oh, it's just this thing we've seen done before. But I guess the real critique here is, is that it's just this thing that we've done before, but without anything to make it interesting or new or exciting or anything that makes it feel like it's its own. Um, yeah. yeah. It's going, going, yeah. Ca- going through the motions a little bit. Yeah, it, it doesn't... Well, there is kind of a, an interesting aspect um, being an American where, you know, his mom is gets sick and has to go to the hospital and they can't afford hospital bills. Mm. <laughs> and that sort of makes it more relative, relevant for, for today where it, it's just the cost of surgery. Like do, do we choose to make someone healthy and have crippling debt or do we just die peacefully or miserably, I should say, <laughs> and not go to the hospital and, leave the dead and, and die obviously too soon 
So and that part was kind of like, okay, you can do something there with that more. Um, but I, it didn't really matter that she had superpowers, I guess. Nah, I, I guess it was just the idea that the, the, the illness was also related to the powers. So th- therefore, it makes it feel... Well, she had a tumor. Oh, true, yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of Logan in here. So she had a tumor that was causing <laughs> her to, for her brain to like do use her powers when she didn't want to. And there's a danger... She's endangering other people around her because she has no control of it. Kind of like Patrick Stewart and Logan. A little bit of Logan. Add that to the list. Okay. I mean, one could argue that should just fall under the broad X-Men blanket, but (laughs) that's specifically that movie, so I'll give you it. I'll give you it. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so... Basically, Kara gets this idea that steal back all the drugs because for some reason, and this is this feels like it's just purely so that they know when this is happening. But for some mm-hmm. reason, when the the cops sees the psych drug, they always like make a deal of saying, "Hey, every Friday we we go and burn it all so that none of it can be mm-hmm. you know used or or taken back." So they know that they've got a deadline to retrieve everything that was seized by the cops, uh, which kind of started all this in the first place. So. It's like, hey, let's do a heist on the truck that that, that transports. Because I guess like an armored truck that takes it from, you know, the police station to whatever place, mm-hmm. incinerary compound or something, I don't know, that, that takes the uh, the stuff. So it becomes this new heist um, where they've got this plan to sort of like blockade the truck. Uh, Connor will, you know, you know, disable it, disable the robots. Zap things. Yeah. And they'll get the drug that'll be more than enough to solve everything. Um, there's kind of a, a character thing here where, like, it's implied that if if Garrett hadn't tried to make a power play, because Garrett makes this thing where he's been kind of working for, you know, the main douchebag for so long, and he's mm-hmm. like, hey, if we pull this off, I'm a partner. I don't work for you anymore. We're equals. And it's kind mm-hmm. of implied that if he hadn't done that, then Garrett wouldn't betray him here. Because at the end of the heist... Garrett's men uh, not only shoot the cops in cold blood, but then try to kill all them too. And they kill the sort of two that we don't know as well uh, and leave the, mm-hmm. the two main characters alive. Uh, always convenient. But, yeah. Um, so, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's an inkling of an idea there, uh, I suppose. Uh, I don't think enough time spent on it, though, to really, you know, hey, cattail. Uh, there's not enough time spent on it to really kind of make it feel all that impactful. I do, I I do think the moment where they shoot the cops is well done. I, I think that actually feels yeah. quite like oh hey see, that's a shock and uh, it feels quite dark because even like Garrett and the others are kind of shocked by this and didn't want to do that. Like there was there was no reason yeah, they, for it. They were never supposed to you know kill anybody. It was supposed to be done like they kill robots because they're, they're robots. robots. Yeah, robots don't matter. Yeah, but, until the sentient, and then it's a whole debate to have. But <laughs> they aren't in this. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. You think robots? Oh, sorry, Google. I know you can hear me. <laughs> Good to know Tara's on the cold. No, robots' lives don't matter. The parade. <laughs> I'm sure they'll make a movie about it soon. Anyway, um, I, uh, yeah. Then the, you're right. This scene was pretty good. I like the uh, the the turn that happens. Um, with uh, sorry, my cats. <laughs> I have to throw them away real quick. Okay, I, I do. I did like the scene. I thought the turn was uh, a surprise and like, oh, okay, things are happening. Um, I like. I, I guess maybe because I like 
uh, Greg Bragg so much from Far Cry Five. I am rooting for his character to 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 not be worthless or the worst. <laughs> <laughs> but of course he is, and yeah, it's all right. I I like this scene. Sorry, my cat was distracting me. Yeah, I, I think the, the problem is the conclusion after this, where basically after essentially being offered this earlier on, uh, Connor goes to the cop and says, "Hey, let's work together and take down and take take you know take the bad guy down, uh, and you'll get all the drugs back, and we can finally put an end to all this." And so the ending is basically the cops show up and it lures the bad guy into like the back room where both Garrett and uh, Connor are there to like fight him. And that's kind of it. Like, I think it's one of these things where it feels really small, and that's probably mm-hmm. because of the budget. Like, it feels like such a kind of a just like really simple ending that doesn't really have that much weight to it. Um, one thing we've not mentioned, a couple of things we've not mentioned. We need to talk about the the lady, and we also have to talk about the bodyguard because I, I actually do think it's cool that he's got a bodyguard who's bulletproof. That actually makes a whole lot yeah. of sense. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. So that's kind of neat. And he he seems to be sick. He's got some kind of uh, like. I don't know if it's like lung cancer or whatever. Well, he coughs not, a lot. Not the the bodyguard, the uh, Far Cry dude. Yes, yeah, Far yeah. Cry guy. Main, main bad guy. Um, Joseph Seed. There you go. Uh, so, but yeah, the, so the reason why uh, Connor's doing all this at the end, what well, the payment he wants for doing all this, the, the, the heist in the first place, was because the girl that he, Far Cry guy kind of has as a slave is actually a healer. She has healing superpowers. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what he said, his illness, like, she comes over and heals him every so often. Um, but, you know, she, so he finds that out. She heals, like, a like a cut he has at one point uh, on his arm. Mm-hmm. And this is revealed. Um, and the sad part is, is that I do think there's some interesting ideas here. I, I think at one point um, she says to him, like, whenever anyone find, finds out what I can do, all of a sudden that's all I am to them is what I can do. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me. Like, if you think about it, if you, if you, yeah. if you knew someone and it turned out they could heal anything, like, you would just automatically want to use that person every single time anything bad happened to you or anyone. You, it would just, they would be defined by that ability and you would never think of them in any other way. And you probably would think that way about them. Like It felt like a really yeah. sort of stark truth that it makes sense. Even for a good person, they would still think of her that way. Sure, sure. So I... So that's a neat idea. I, I, like you say, the character's not that interesting. Um, but one of the big things, though, is that Garrett being a little bit more villainous at the end here, after they kill the bad guys, like, hey, you came for her to save your mother, because, you know, at this point, his mother's lying in a hospital bed, like, mm-hmm. you know, barely awake. And it's like, so take her. So he kind of forcibly takes her. She doesn't want to go. She doesn't want to help his, his mother. And they've, they've sort of had a connection, like, throughout the film, too. Mm. Like, you, you think that you know that she's there against her will. She well, she's only there because um, Far Cry guy has his has her dad or something in like debt to him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really why she's there. She's trying to pay off debts for her father. And um, but you know they they have a bit of a bond. Um, and I think you're thinking this is, might be romantic or it might lead to something where you know, she's going to save her. I actually kind of, I will say this, I appreciate that there is no love interest in this movie. There's no, no there's no romance at all, which I actually really like. So fair play on that yeah, sense. Yeah. I thought maybe it could go there, but it, it, it doesn't, yeah. you know, it's, it all seems to be just platonic. 
Yeah, so we find out uh, around here, actually, just before he forces her to come with, that she actually takes on the pain and the, the injury of the person she's just saved. Yeah, uh, she it, says it's not that simple. Yeah. And... I mean, maybe not entirely, but at least temporarily she'll have that pain. It seems like it probably goes away fairly quickly, but the idea that if she tries to save one with a tumour who's dying, that she's, she's never done that before and that might kill her. Uh, so the big moral choice at the end of the movie is that he forces her into the hospital room and says, you need to do it. And she starts doing it and she starts get she starts to look really sick as she's she's taking the you know healing his mother and halfway mm-hmm. through he has to make the moral choice to tell her to stop because he can't live with himself for like making her kill herself basically to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kinda goes back to something there's a conversation with his mother earlier on where she's kind of ashamed of him for like, you know, doing what he's doing and how he has to be better than that and how, you know, like, you know, he doesn't she doesn't want him to compromise his morals and this so it's kind of that that inspires him to start a stopper here and this like i couldn't help but feel that this moment should be amazing this moment should be the 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 linchpin of the whole movie is this decision i mean they're filming it like it's supposed to be it's got this epic build up and the music's playing and you're like eh. (laughs) and i I think it's it's, it's just not only just this but the final shot of the movie the final scene is the girl going to prison and visit her dad and the final shot of the movie is her and her dad smiling at each other because they're mm-hmm. happy. And that's what we cut to credits on. It doesn't cut to credits on something with Connor or something with Garrett. There's some Garrett stuff. No, this... it's about her. Like she's the she's the story here. And the sad part is, is I don't think they actually spent enough time and made me care enough about her to make this, this final no. moment feel like it was... <laughs> yeah, it's not really earned, is it? Yeah, I, I just felt, I felt like, well, I don't know, I didn't really attach to her all that much. And it's a shame because she is the linchpin of the, the moral choice for Connor in the scene in the hospital and she's also this this final moment so they really wanted us to care about him you know they or care about her rather they really wanted us to care yeah a little bit of a fail but i mean it's not bad it's not like a bad watch or anything it's still it's still okay like you can see what they were trying to go for maybe it would work it in like a tv format like where you have more time to spend with these characters and really get to know their their backstory a bit more invest in them a bit more but um to end on her it's kind of like i thought she was more of like a side character Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i don't know like the emotion was supposed to be between you know i think uh, i think his mother i think you can't end on a side character though i think the problem is is that the thing with her and her dad was mentioned once it doesn't feel like it was set up enough because because it would still work in the sense that okay because of connor's choice she's able mm-hmm. to do this so it would still kind of work in sort of you know by proxy uh in a, sure. in a way but the but i don't think that this idea of like her dad and getting to see him again and getting to tell him the good news was set up enough where it felt like a big thing to us it just kind of felt like a, a just a bit of a limp a limp finish basically uh to uh you know maybe underdeveloped <laughs> underdeveloped yeah uh and they set stuff up with garrett as well where he's like going to be the new boss in town uh mm-hmm. working for the cartel uh seemingly so that's you know stuff for the tv show i guess but uh yes i was talking about a limp finisher all i could think of was that thing from what we do in the shadows that scene where she's talking about the name jeff Jeff. and she's like it's a, it's, a, it's like a weak ejaculation just uh, 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 uh. Jeff Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Sakla I actually was thinking of that because uh, I think uh, the bad guy's name in this is like something similar mm. 
it's Suckleff or something, but it reminds me of Jeff Suckleff from That's, What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah, yeah, Suckleff, yeah. 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 Gregor. Gregor. That's better watch. Just watch that instead of this. Yeah, watch the What We Do in the Shadows TV show. It's got Matt Berry in it. Matt Berry's great. <laughs> oh, dear. He's blown it. He hasn't even mentioned the Turtlenecks. I can't do a Matt Berry voice, but just know that, that was, that's really funny in Matt Berry's voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically the movie. I, I think um, it, it it suffers from not thinking bigger, I think. Yeah. It, it feels really... Like, I, 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 the sad part is, is I feel the, the passion. I feel that they really cared about this and they wanted to make this feel special. And I just mm-hmm. don't think it goes far enough with the emotion. It doesn't go far enough with the ideas and i do think that they had to at the very least do a better job of like dressing up the actors if not just outright casting other people that actually fit in the the roles yeah i think i would like a more focused film this one kind of i don't know like there's a lot in there that they could just do a movie about instead that I would like a bit more like I'm not into like the training montage scenes or the <laughs> I don't know like it, it kind of comes off as goofy or, well, the, or maybe it comes off like an episode of Arrow but that's, I, but, I that, but that's the other thing though is that we spend so much time with him saying he's got potential and we have the training montages and I don't really feel like he ever really uses his powers that much after that where you know he zaps the, the van yeah. once he, he zaps some things yeah but it never feels like he has like a big moment the closest we get is when they kill the henchman uh garrett like stabs him in the eye uh with like a like a pen knife or something like that and uh, connor like zaps the pen knife with a lot of electricity and kind of like essentially there's a bolt of lightning through his head and that looked pretty Mm -hmm. neat but it never really because all all these other movies where they have to train and become the best version of what they can be and all that it usually plays into how they win at the end of the movie and in this movie, I don't think that he needed the training to do what he does at the end. Like, he just, you know, it's just a simple little zap. It's not, like, a big deal. It doesn't feel like all the time we spent on, like, building him up is this big, like, oh, this he's a powerful, super-powered person. He's, he's you know, level, level 7. 12. Yeah, he's level 12 <laughs> electric, you know. Um, it never felt like it actually mattered for the third act of the film. And it feels kind of underdeveloped. <laughs> like... <laughs> They threw a lot of ideas in this movie, and none of the ideas, for the most part, are bad. Uh, yeah. And everything kind of comes together in a fairly serviceable manner, but it doesn't actually feel like it pays off. Like I say, the most interesting stuff is the emotional climax and the moral choice that he has to make. It's just a shame that we don't care enough about the character that he's making it about to actually give it the weight that it should, or even care about him yeah. enough, because he is kind of bland. A little. It's just a little pretty boy maze runner guy <laughs> you keep coming back to me i don't know if you i don't know if you said maze runner mostly in the first take of that opening or if it was i mean it's i don't know i've never seen any of those movies or like divergent i'm getting or I, maybe even like hunger games it feels a little that style i never watched this show but for some reason i'm getting mutant x vibes don't know what that is it was a sci-fi show from the early 2000s, late 90s, which I think was actually sued by Marvel for being too X-Men-like. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mutant <laughs> and X? <laughs> I think it was called Mutant X. It was something like mm. that, though. 
X was the, I'm sure X was in the title, which is really like ballsy. Like you you got a show about With mutants. The word mutant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not surprised Marvel took legal action. It was you know, but but in the but in the close side. But Yeah. Hey ho. I, I guess that, that basically wraps up the movie. I don't have a whole lot more to add. It's kind of bland, but it's serviceable. But I wouldn't rush out to see it. Like it's there's potential, yeah. It's kind of painfully just okay. And sometimes that's the worst, because at least if it was terrible, I could sit here and get passionate and be like, oh, it's terrible, how dare they do this, and how dare they do that? <laughs> oh, F this movie. But it's not that. It's, it's you know... Mm-mm. There's potential. I could, I could see a TV show potentially being good, but it'd have to be with good writing and have to, you know... I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> but it's not because of this movie. It's sure. just because it's it's still a show that I'm just not interested in these types of shows. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I get the feeling that it'd probably be a CW style show. Uh, mm-hmm. And because of that, I would probably opt out of it. Maybe try the f- one ep- <laughs> episode one for pilot review sake and that'd be it. But even then, it'd be kind of weird because like, you know, you have to, do you have to see the movie before you see a TV show? Will the TV show work on its own? Um, yeah. Because it's, it's, just... not, it's not like they're rebooting it. It's not like the hit television show, Buffer the Vampire Slayer, where they wanted to correct what the movie messed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i got it in there true i mean i i have seen that movie and it is uh, not good <laughs> although the odd... tv show from what i've seen most of it is much better than the movie although it has some duds if i remember oh because star trek doesn't have duds it doesn't you've it... watched it you know it does have duds you know like you i know you watch our reviews you've not been paying attention if you don't think there's duds name one Spock's brain. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which one? Spock's brain. That move. Or that one was great. Spock has his brain stolen. Okay. I mean, if you're gonna steal a brain, you okay. would take the smartest person on the Enterprise. Code of Honor. You can defend that one, and you know it. Yeah, yeah, that one's like a nine. <laughs> Tara, Tara. You're a great co-host, you really are, but sometimes you're full of absolute shit. <laughs> this is one of those moments. All I heard was that I'm a great co-host. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think Buffy the Vampire Slayer has an episode as bad as Code of Honor. Mm-hmm. There's something called like Bad Eggs that was pretty bad. Bad Eggs is a really bad episode. It is better than Code of Honor. Do you know why? Because it's not blatantly racist the entire time. <laughs> okay, it's like moderately racist. <laughs> not only is it moderately racist, and, not, and sexist as well. In fact, now I'm thinking about it, there was a whole like stealing a bride aspect to it as well. There was a lot of sexism in there too, right? Not only that, the conclusion to that episode was a fight around a jungle gym. Yeah, between two women. When do you ever see that? There's like a cool bird-like weapon with, you know, points on it that each one of those points will kill somebody instantly. It's intense. It was like, uh, yeah, it's like watching um, Running Man or something. It was very Running Man. Yeah. Running Man. Running Man. It's a nine. It's not a nine. Your ten-point scale is absolutely broken when it comes to star trek absolutely broken she'll say oh that episode wasn't that good it's a nine 
there's two types of Star Trek episodes. There's nines and tens, and most of them are tens. Every so often, there's a, there's a disappointing nine. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a couple of nines, but most of them are tens, <laughs> and there's a few elevens. <laughs> this is absolute poppycock. Tara, what are you rating Code Eight? Oh, by the way, before I even answer that question, I should just say the the title of the movie comes from the fact that when the uh, the armored truck that's been attacked uh, for the the drug. And uh, that's referred to as a code eight by the police. That is where the title yeah, of the movie comes from. I don't from. really like the title. Nah. Like I can see that they thought it sounded kind of cool and catchy, but you only hear it. You hear it twice. You hear it when the bank's being robbed. It's a code eight. I think a code eight means it's mm. a mute, not mutant, but yeah, yeah. superpower. <laughs> I say mutant because this is so X Men. Yeah. But I feel like a superhuman. I feel like to get this title title over, they should have done something at the start where you know, at the start of Close Encounters, it comes up saying a Close Encounter of the first kind is this, a second kind is this. They should have said what the first seven are and then said Cody is super powered attack, you know, person in a crime or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm getting Rotor vibes from that. (laughs) Okay, maybe maybe eight's too high a number for it, but I mean, if it was only like four, (laughs) Code Four, then you could have done that. Like, okay. like check co- out our Rotor review <laughs> on patreon.com slash <laughs> code 1 Stephen Amell's taking off his shirt code 2 <laughs> he did that a lot in Arrow it was, it was, it was, a, it was a running oh. gag well maybe I'll take the show out <laughs> yeah he was he was uh, topless uh, a lot of the time uh, as were a lot of the male cast members it's a, it's a very beefcake show to be honest there's a lot of beefcake going on uh, but hey uh, so what's your, what's your rating? What are you rating Code 8? And I'm going to take a stab in the dark and see you can't say it's a Code 8 out of 10. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I uh, think this movie wants to be a bunch of other movies. I think it wants to be Chronicle. It wants to be The Town. It wants to be X-Men. Uh, it, and it wants to be like a modern day drama. For, But it's... Uh, it, it kind of whiffs on a lot of things, and uh, although there is potential here, there there is some uh, seeds of something that could be good. So if they do make a TV show or a miniseries, whatever it's going to be, um, th- there is potential there. If you like these actors, I think uh, it could be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for the most part, uh, yeah, it's just not a movie for me. But. It's not bad. It wasn't like a horrible watch. I, I like the action scenes, um, but it's just not for me. I'm going to give it a 5.5. <laughs> See, I think you're undermining your own your own score there a little bit, but said it's just not for you. I don't think it is that at all. Like, maybe it isn't for you, but I don't think any of the problems you're talking about, like like everything, everything we've talked about justifies that score, regardless of whether yeah. or not you feel that you're sick of like superpowered people. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, be confident All about right, yourself. Well, be confident in your score. It's a 5.5. It's a 5.5. Level 5.5. <laughs> we should start doing that. Uh, we're talk, talking about 2001. That's a level 10. <laughs> 2001 was a level 10. Level 10 movie. Yeah, that's why we're never going to review it. There they are still, still it's a level 9. We're going to review a 2001. That's happening. All right, one day. You know what's happening. Um, yeah. yeah, my rating for this, uh, I would give it like, <laughs> I mean, five point five is kind of around the ballpark of what I was thinking. I, 
Yeah, I don't think it's good enough to have a six. It's got a couple of... <laughs> yeah, no, the level thing annoyed me enough. I'm going to say a straight five. Okay. <laughs> that's half a point right there. Yeah, it's our... <laughs> That's our, our fast color level, so it's about on par. It, it kind of is, and I think they both suffer from feeling like they're just too small versus their ideas. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the other movie we did? There was another movie, one of the newer movies we did last year, uh, which is funny, we're in the second year of the show now, by the way, because it's 2020. Mm. We can say oh, we That's did right. this last year. Uh, but we, there was definitely a movie like this of a similar budget. Maybe, I don't think it was Fast Color, but there was definitely something where we said it was a lot of other movies. Like, it wanted to be all these other things. Mm. It seems to be a problem with sci-fi recently, where a lot of the sci-fi that comes out is just clearly just a, an amalgamation of all these different other sci-fi movies that people like. Um, uh, I can't I can't recall. There's even good examples of that. I remember when I went to see uh, Oblivion, which I enjoy Oblivion, partly because the music's so good. Me too. But like yeah. it is just a combination of like five other movies. Like you can literally piece it together and say this is from two thousand and one. This is from Portal mm-hmm. Two. <laughs> That's not a movie, but like because uh, there's, there's the like, villain definitely was. Yeah. There's a moment at the start of that movie uh, where it's like you know Tom Cruise and he's we'll do this at some it's point. It's just Gladys, yeah. But but Tom Tom Cruise and like the, the woman that he's working with because they've got like an outpost on Earth and like hey it's just like three days till we get to go back to the the colony and I leaned over to whoever I was with at the time and just went the cake is a lie yeah. <laughs> it's like i knew immediately there's no way this isn't like a lie oh dear which in fact yeah it's also moon let's try to do moon too uh so yeah anyway. definitely anyway that is cody and we we can wrap up before we get to the bonus section uh where we talk about mystery science theater uh, by telling you to let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below you can like and subscribe all that stuff you can get us on the twitters at sorry i was gonna say the screams podcaster uh, at the ace podcast uh, and you can of course support us by rating the podcast on apple podcast give us five stars more people will find us that way you can share us out on social media and you can also send us questions or thoughts uh, via email mftvquestions at gmail.com if you would like to uh, send us questions maybe we'll start answering questions on the show occasionally uh you know if, if people send us some questions in um so you can do that mftvquestions at gmail.com uh just put in the uh the subject bar that it's for the ace because obviously all the different shows emails go to the same address um uh, and obviously uh, we mentioned patreon earlier uh, we can support us financially so uh there you go uh tara would you like to promote another male fuzz tv show or tv show uh, you know what i mean a male male fuzz well male fuzz tv show I was saying sure. TV is part of her name, not not a TV show. No, you know what I mean. Uh, sure. I think people should check out the Star Trek reviews since those are coming back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always sort of promote that one. So if you like science fiction, we also are reviewing the original series for The Twilight Zone. You can follow along the each episode with us and watch it along with us and see if they hold up. Yeah, we're, we're uh, just a few episodes into season two by the time this goes up, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, go, and, go and check that out. All right. Well, with that said, then, we have a final treat for you. Uh, we, we predicted rightly that, that would be a slightly shorter movie discussion than we sometimes have. Uh, uh-huh. So we have a Mystery Science Theater. We, we got together. We watched Mystery Science Theater 2000 this week. We watched The Final Sacrifice, which is a Canadian export. <laughs> there Much are like me. A lot of Canadian jokes early on. Uh, 
uh in fact one of my favorite because basically there's a lot of canadian jokes in the first like 20 minutes and it comes back to the guys and they're doing one of the skits back out in the you know the satellite of love and basically crow and mike are just going ah oh, they're so pathetic canadians ah they're, they're the worst and in walks tom server goes hey guys what are you doing don't be nasty he's dressed canadians. as a mountie yeah. canadian mountie don't be don't be mad at canadians and eventually no no look sorry tom it's okay you can just let it out a little bit you know get into the groove of it and make fun of canadians and tom just starts yelling about wanting to <laughs> bomb canada and like like just like decimate the country and it's like whoa 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 too far tom too far <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of canadian jokes luckily canadians are you know we got a, a good sense of humor and we uh. know america is just jealous it's just their insecurity showing yeah yeah so yeah so this is a movie where a little kid finds a map which looks like it was literally just like the set person drew it on a bit of paper on the day just just quickly just quickly doodled a little thing uh and there's like an army of it's so so, actually you know what you'll get you'll get none of this what i'm about to say because obviously you don't care about wrestling but this this team of villains in this movie are basically the Dark Order from current AEW, and it was making me like I was I was just chuckling to myself because that, basically it's a tag team that I've got all these guys that come out and like uh, I mean they're not just balaclavas they're like more like black you know Mexican wrestling masks but like they they come out topless with these masks on and they're like they sort of like they're, they're we all refer to them as their gimps they just are there to be the henchmen and all I could think about as I'm watching this movie is are these stupid Dark Order gimps uh but anyway so they're chasing the kid because they want the map and the kid runs into the hero of the movie and let me see if i get this name right zap russell blower roused hour how could you forget these are canadian prints roused hour zap roused roused hour he's a beer drinking Canadian tuxedo wearing, <laughs> truck driving fool. I don't really, yeah. my, my favorite character is probably the, the villains, uh, the guy in the suit with the really sort of slick back hair who's got yeah. a really over the top performance the entire time. And the best part, best joke they give for him is when he walks in the house when they're searching for the kid and someone, one of them just calls him Garth Vader, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Canadian villain Garth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, my favorite thing is probably the the running joke they have of the uh, the opening is a scene where a guy is being chased down by this cult and he gets murdered. Yeah, and, and then the, the credits and roll, the snow. Yeah. and then at the very end of the credits, in the same font, it just says seven years later. Yeah, <laughs> it's like seven years after the credits. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. And then every time it like fades to black and comes up again, it says, "And seven years later, <laughs> seven years later." <laughs> It's such an odd placement for that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was the same with um, when the villain, like, sort of, we see the villain again with these gimps. Is is one of the jokes was, uh, oh, that was a that was a long seven years. Yeah, got a lot of rest. <laughs> like, because yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I think it's meant to be the guy who dies in the opening. I think that's meant to be the kid's dad. That that's Troy's father. Yes, yeah. Troy. Oh, of course, Troy. How could I forget Troy? The Larry Zonka looking guy with the mustache. Yeah. Yes, yes, Troy yes. is Troy is the the kid that we're following. Yes, Tara had who to explain is... to me who Larry Larry Zonka was. Larry Zonka, yeah, he's a football coach. He's he's big, I guess, in sports. 
Yes. But I, yes. I had so. to look away look up who he was when I watched the <laughs> the episode originally because like man they make it a lot of Larry Zonka jokes as you know who this guy is. <laughs> so the uh so the kid runs into Zap Housedower. Is that right? Zap Rousedower. Zap Rousedower. Okay, Rousedower. Rousedower. <laughs> yeah. Now you sound like Troy. <laughs> Rousedower. Uh, but and he's he's got the hockey hair, which I never occurred to me at first, but as soon as they called it hockey hair, I'm like, Oh yeah, that is like the hockey hair. Yeah, that's haircut. what it's always called. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, all the hockey players have it, and he's always drinking booze. In fact, one of my because if I ever complain about this movie or slash episode, whatever way you want to put this, uh, uh-huh. is that I think the jokes are really good for the first 30, 40 minutes, and then it's like a, it's like a, a lull for a little while. It's like once they're in the woods and they meet up with this old guy, uh, who's, who happens to just know a bunch of stuff about this cult uh, for no reason. Yeah, literally everybody Troy runs into is connected to the cult somehow in the past, or his father. <laughs> but he uh there's like a lol uh but there's a joke that kind of i was it was all, i wasn't literally falling asleep but i was almost like okay it's not been funny in a little while now and there's like literally a joke that happens as uh rousedower wakes up from a, a nightmare he's like a nightmare of like you know uh, when he because he was like involved because in this is the thing you think he's just trying to this random guy but then later on we find out he used to be in the cult and yeah. he's got the tattoo and he's got a history so yeah like you say everyone he runs into is part of this cult or was a part of the cult or knows about the cult uh but he's having this like weird nightmare flashback of like having the symbol burned into his arm and all the rest of it and he wakes up like in a cold sweat sitting up and one of the one of the you know guys yells out uh oh is, 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 is the is the booze like not you know not been served anymore or something like that like he makes a joke about the booze not been available uh <laughs> And it really woke me up. I was kind of like, yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't laughed in a while at that point, and that joke really woke me up. Or he and uh, Zap Rosdauer and Troy are both like staring at the sunrise. He kind of takes a swig of beer and says, I wonder if there's beer on the sun. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, so, Man loves his Molson. Yeah, so a couple of other little details about uh, the movie. One is that Rousedower's truck, he has, like, he apparently lives in it because he's got, like, his washing, his clothes and stuff, like, on, like, lines in the back of his pickup truck to dry. So they're just always there when he's driving, like, drying. Um, mm-hmm. I have to ima- It's easy when you only have two sets of clothing, I guess. I have to imagine, though, if you're driving about, that they're just going to get dirty because of all the, you know... He has a lot of trash back there. <laughs> but, you know, when you're driving around, like, you know, your your windscreen gets dirty because eventually, you know, that's the buildup of, you know, shit in the air. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I, true. So I feel like his boxers are going to get dirty. Nice. That Canada air, you know. It's a lot cleaner. <laughs> that, that Canada air, eh? Mm-hmm. Canada air. <laughs> actually that's the name of our planes uh, <laughs> um, or, no that's Air Canada I, I, so I have this question apparently I don't know what the director uh, you know what he's got about uh, uh, shots of feet get into vehicles but for some reason every time someone's getting to, so the first time we see someone get into a truck it's actually Rousedower before we've seen him for the first time right so it's kind of like mysterious who is this person right we just see the shot of the foot get into Very the car mysterious. and the door you know shutting um, but for some reason even in later scenes when it's one of the gimps or it's Rousedower again or whoever even if we have mm-hmm. like the scene before like it's not the start of the scene like we've already seen the character in the scene 
but for some reason when it goes to them getting into the car or the or the truck it cuts to the same shot of like just the feet as they're going into the car or truck for some reason the Maybe director just got the the tarantino condition this is really specific though this is like this is like if tarantino's had a foot fetish but the foot fetish was only in this one particular situation it's only when the feet are like you know standing next to cake <laughs> yeah yeah you're right i don't know I think he was just really excited that he found like an art, an artsy way to to film this, and so he used it a lot. Yeah, they were also really proud of the shot of the camera right next to the wheel as the car was driving. Yes, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, one of the one of the cult favorites for Mystery Science Theater. Roused hours become a real like uh, symbol. Uh, apparently, the guy gets a lot of fan mail. <laughs> oh, I bet he still regrets making this movie. He's like every year. He's like, oh my god, no regrets, never. <laughs> he has regrets. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the episode? Oh, the episode was good. The episode was funny. Like I said, there's a bit of law in the middle, uh, but it picked back up at the end. Uh, a lot of good running gags. Um, mm-hmm. as for the movie itself I was impressed that there was actually some miniatures at the end because they kept talking about how there was yeah. this mystical city and there's some really bad sets at one point where the kid fell in a cave and he was just trying to like piece together the Indiana Jones puzzle <laughs> in the cave and it was just like so yeah. dull looking but at the end of the movie like they literally had like a city rise out of the ground and it looked bad don't get me wrong it was cheap as shit looking but I was impressed they even but tried to really do it we don't really get that kind of stuff from these types of movies yeah, yeah. I was impressed they even tried uh, a lot of good gags from the, the the you know making the robots in between the, the mm-hmm. bits, which was which was nice. Um, yeah, like I say, that that bit with the, the Canada insults was probably the the best. But even later on, they all had the hockey hair. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know they all had wigs on. That was pretty funny. Except for Mike, because he already had it from a period of like nineteen eighty five to eighty two or something. Yes, but he <laughs> ended up with the Bob Ross hair because the the old man they meet in the cabin has uh, got Bob Ross beard and hair. Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, this one is a. I mean, it's it's up there for me. It's it's not one that I've rewatched a whole lot, but I do enjoy all the Canada digs, and uh, the song is great. Um, and it's it's one of the more watchable movies too. Sometimes you get movies that you just don't want to watch again, even with Mike and the bots helping you out. Like they're they're pretty rough, but it's it's a pretty good one. And Zap Ross Tower is such a such a treasure. <laughs> so that browser there, and I, I will forget his last name again uh, about 30 seconds after we're done so I'm warning you right now <laughs> that's alright that's alright I uh, get it yes it's that Rose Dower Rose Dower alright well uh, that pretty much wraps us up then uh, that is uh, the uh, that's the Atomic Sam Experiment and I believe this is episode 43 mm. so what are we doing next time what we're we doing next time um i th- I think it's jurassic park 3 we're doing next time i want to say i think so too i think it's jurassic park 3 this is kind of exciting um i'll just do- i guess check. maybe we should pick another mystery science theater too so when we watch sure we probably won't have it with jurassic park 3 but when we watch another one i should have it ready in case everybody else wants to watch one do, too do you know it's so weird that Jurassic Park 3, even though it's a really simple B-movie, I'm looking at that and going, yeah, we'll easily go 90 minutes on that. Probably. <laughs> I don't know how. How do we do it for movies like that? But we do. Um, so. Um, 
Yeah, I think the next mystery science theater we should watch is Phantom Planet. Let's do a sci-fi. Okay, Phantom Planet. Same season as um, as Final Sacrifice, but we almost watched that one instead. So let's do Phantom Planet. Phantom Planet. Sounds like yes. the Canadian knockoff to uh, Captain Planet. Well, just you wait. <laughs> oh dear all right so that's been the atomic sandwich experiment thank you very much we did all the plugging before the mystery science theater bit so i need to do it all again just i'll thank you once again for watching or listening uh we love you loads keep watching science fiction movies what are you shaking your head at i was yawning all right <laughs> i thought i said something stupid i'm like that's all i always say <laughs> nope you're good okay well thank you once again for watching or listening keep watching science fiction films and computer I can't think of how to say this in a Canadian way. <laughs> Computer, add salsa, eh? Yum, yum. <laughs>